Hello and welcome to Additive Insight, the original additive manufacturing podcast and your source for news, interviews and comments on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence, brought to you by TCT Magazine. I'm your host, Sam Davis, and today we'll be learning more about HP's Multi-Jet Fusion 5600 3D printing system as the company debuts the machine at Formnext. The MJF 5600 platform is HP's upgrade to the 5200 system, which was introduced in May 2019 and has contributed to the 200 million parts printed with multi-jet fusion technology. As HP rolls out its latest version of the system, we talked to Global Head of Polymers Francois Minette and Systems Product Manager Doigu Gunai, who are both part of HP's personalization and 3D printing business. Throughout the episode, discussed the motivation behind this latest machine, the enhancements around process development, optimised print modes and process analytics, and the introduction of the JetFusion 3D automation accessory, which automates build unit removal. We also touch on application trends and get an update on the progress being made in materials development. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more additive insight, Head on over to tctmagazine.com where you can subscribe to the print edition of TCT Magazine and our weekly Additive Insight newsletter for free. Francois, Doigu, welcome to the Additive Insight podcast. Uh, This week, HP will be unveiling the Multi-Jet Fusion 5600 platform at Formnext, obviously following previous models that have already been introduced, such as the 4200 and the 5200 and the 5420. Can you explain what the motivation has been behind the development of this new machine? Yes, so I'll take the, I'll start answering this question. Yes, so we realize that more and more of our customers are going in production, serial production, I mean, mm-hmm. and for, for this, they require higher you know, overall uh, efficiency of the machine, better yields. So we really wanted to go one step further and improve uh, our machine. But also what more important is uh, some of the production requires some fine tuning on the print modes, on the way we, you know, we program the machine to print. Um, And so far we were doing this on a case by case for customers. And now we want to enable our customers to do that uh, by doing uh, opening some parameters to the customers. And that's something also the market has been asking for a long time. You know, when we trust the machine, it's a closed machine. And now we are really opening the parameters to enable this uh, production. Mm. From the information that is already available um, on, the, on the HP website, um, and, and, you know, and from what you've said there, there's, there's this opportunity for users to kind of access process development capabilities. Um, can you explain, I guess, the the impact that HP believes that can have on how a user, <clears throat> a manufacturer, might be able to deploy the, the HP system? <laughs> so, yeah, with process development, basically the main idea, as Francois mentioned, is to enable our customers to customize the printing process according to specific user or application requirements. So. We all know each application, each component is unique in its requirements, whether it's dimensional accuracy, mechanical properties, or look and feel, and part quality and yield is evaluated in many different ways for each application. So you might have an application that requires high dimensional accuracy, but not so constrained on elongation at break, let's say, or you might have another application that has 
strict time to part limitations that can benefit from higher printing speeds, but doesn't require high accuracy. So while our solutions today try to be in the sweet spot to ensure we meet accuracy, mechanical properties, and look and feel requirements for a variety of applications at the same time, with the process development capabilities, our users will be able to develop and create specific settings for an application or an application category. So as Francois mentioned, we basically unlock process parameters like layer thickness, the amount of agents deposited onto the part or temperature settings. So our customers can take the baseline print modes and extract the most performance out of the device for any application or application category. So with the process development capabilities of the 5600 series, we basically deliver the necessary software tools to be able to create those production settings. And we also deliver the know-how on how to use these settings according to their specific needs. This know-how, of course, covers what outcome they can expect when they're increasing layer thickness by 10 microns or reducing the print bed temperature and basically supporting them in fine-tuning these settings together with them to make sure that learning curve is as smooth as possible. And of course, these are the same capabilities and tricks that we use in our own R&D activities when developing these baseline print modes that our user, users are currently using. But the main difference now with the 5600 series is that our users will be able to pull these baseline print modes to meet their own specific application requirements, whether it's dimensional accuracy, mechanical properties, or look and feel. And they'll be able to, let's say, reduce the time and cost associated that with application development today and allow them to take more applications to scale with additive manufacturing. And in terms of the, I guess the the print modes and the and the calibrations that have been <clears throat> optimized, I wondered what you would consider to be, I guess, the significant of significance of those improvements, but also what kind of knowledge has been fed into um, your your systems and your technology in order to develop these these print modes and, and calibrations. What is the know-how that is gone into these improvements? Yeah, I mean, the improvements that can be clearly seen is on the overall reliability and the repeatability of the 5600 platform. And that know-how and that knowledge basically comes from the fact that we've had the 5200 series on the field for quite some time. And we had been working on the 5600 series for uh, a few years now. So we've basically compiled all that knowledge to be able to improve the repeatability and the reliability of uh, our newest newest platform, especially for uh, part quality when we talk about repeatability. So through improvements of hardware and firmware we, with the 5600 series, we can ensure a more consistent performance in accuracy as well as mechanical properties and look and feel. And of course, we talk about repeatability, but that's repeatability in uh, part to part. So all the parts within the same build, build to build. So all the builds on the same device. And of course, device to device consistency in a fleet, which are key components that our users today that are looking at scaling with additive manufacturing are uh, requiring from us. And of course, with this is the baseline improvements that we've made, we've made through the changes on the 5600 series. But as I mentioned, the users will be able to improve the baseline accuracy and properties with the help of process development, basically customizing the process according to their criteria. Okay, and there's also um, developments to the the process analytics. I understand. So, how uh, can can those capabilities be leveraged? And I guess what, how does that help users to get the most out of the technology? Yeah, this is a crucial component of the process development journey. So within that same tool that allows our customers to customize the printing parameters, 
Now they'll also be able to collect and analyze all the KPIs that give them a better understanding of what exactly happened during the printing process for the entire build and for every single layer. So they can use this data to improve the iteration during process development when they're fine tuning settings uh, for each application or each application category, and that will give them a higher performance. But they can also connect the printing behavior, the data they have from the connect the printing behavior for quality assurance activities downstream, basically correlating the printing process with part quality and then making sure that they're improving um, the printing process to meet their requirements. We've also seen a few of our users uh, interested in using the available data for improving predictive and preventive maintenance activities as well. So being able to leverage all this new information about the printing process and the device and supplies behavior they'll basically be able to understand the intricacies of the MGF technology and have the tools necessary to modify it according to their needs. Um, another thing that I <clears throat> I noticed on the, the HP website um, when reading about the 5600 was the 3D automation accessory. Can you tell us about exactly what that is? And, and again, I guess what the, the benefit of this automation accessory is for users of the, of the HP 5600? Yeah, well, it's our intentionally simple solution to increase the throughput of our devices, basically. So it's an accessory compatible with the 5200 and 5600 series 3D printers today. And the main, the main functionality is automatically exchange two build units without any manual labor needed. So once the first printing cycle is completed, the printer automatically ejects the full build unit with the printed parts inside and inserts the next build unit prepared for printing and starts the second printing cycle. This whole operation takes around two to three minutes and can take place at any time during any day without an operator. So this basically allows the allows to increase the throughput and minimizes the idle time of our th devices, since that may happen due to scheduling limitations like additional shifts or um, the additional cost associated with that. So the automation accessory enables the users to manufacture into the night shifts or the weekends without any additional labor costs needed. And of course, this is our first step in automation, helping reduce costs associated with additive manufacturing. But for the future, we're looking at compatibility with widely used mobile robots or AGBs to complement our solution and add additional layers of productivity benefits. Uh, we also introduced the powder handling automation solution this year, which is a closed-loop pneumatically actuated material system that automates the powder flow from its fresh material until after unpacking. And this is, let's say, the industrial system that allows our high usage users to reduce labor costs, increase productivity, since, able, since the powder handling automation solution is able to serve a significantly higher number of printing devices and ensure, most importantly, the consistent material quality, since, again, it's an automated operation, and our users will also be able to have operational traceability to be able to track powder flow, material lots, recycled powder generations, and with all these steps into automation, this is actually the material consistency and the operational traceability is something that we've seen quite a lot of interest, especially from our users in the automotive and healthcare industries. In terms of um, the, the kind of automation capabilities that <clears throat> HP has been, you know, developing, obviously, how long has that been um, in progress and, and, and where does the motivation from that come from? Is that basically user demand of, you know, it would be really handy if 
some of these elements were automated so that we didn't have to have humans moving, you know, build units in and out. Does that come from user feedback? Yeah, basically the main uh, the main challenge we were seeing was th the main challenge that the entire 3D printing industry has uh, that comes up quite often is the cost, right? So automation yeah. is, let's say, one avenue that we try to challenge to reduce those labor costs associated with it. But of course, there's a second part to that as well, right? We want to protect the investment of our users and make sure that the 3D printing devices that they have can be used for a profitable activity like additive manufacturing at all times. So with the addition of the automation solutions we have right now, we're able to make sure that that investment is manufacturing is does not have any idle time and is not subject to limitations like production scheduling of not having a night shift, um, not having a weekend shift. So the main idea here is to extract the most throughput from the devices with the automation assets. You mentioned how the, the 3D automation accessory can can impact uh, throughput. Has there been any uh, tweaks in terms of the, the printing technology with the 5600 that might improve the throughput of the machine as well or is it basically the same kind of printing process that we that we know from from prior HP MJF machines? So the throughput is something that, as you mentioned, we're tackling with the new automation assets. But of course, with the process development capabilities we talked about, like increasing mm -hmm. the layer thickness to reduce printing time, uh, which will have an impact on the throughput, is something that our customers themselves will be able to choose right. to do according to their application requirements. And has there been any changes to the, the build volume with the 5600, or is that, again, similar to, to previous models? Yeah, the current build volume is comparable to the 5200 series. Right, okay, perfect. Um, Maybe uh, one thing to add on this, I think it's very important, is the, the 5600 is actually an upgrade from the 5200. That's why the same right. volume. Yeah. So sure. every owner of a 5200 can have a 5600. And that's actually our commitment to have a, when you start with HP technology, you know, we want uh, our customers to know that they are, it's upgradable as they grow through the adoption cycle of uh, additive manufacturing. Yeah, right. Okay. Because that brings me on to my next question, which was going to be what, what is the target audience of this machine? But do you, do you see it then as, I guess, first of all, people who have and companies who have um, a 5200 already installed? It could be summarized as basically anyone who's looking to push the limits of the MJF technology, whether that's an existing user or a user considering MJF. Mm. If they're looking at adjusting it, being able to modify the printing process according to their specific application requirements, their specific production needs, whether that's quality or cost, the 5600 solution enables them to fine-tune settings to extract the most performance out of our solutions. So with the process development capability, it allows our users to improve reliability and repeatability and be able to reduce the time that it takes to take an application that is manufactured with a different traditional uh, manufacturing technology today and migrate it to 3D printing and make that process as uh, least costly and least time consuming as possible allowing them to customize MJF according to their needs. And of course, as we talked about, the 5600 series is essentially enabling more consistent production. We've talked about part-to-part, build-to-build, and device-to-device -device variability reduction with the unique settings for each application. And have there been any early access customers of the 5600, or is it a case that because 
it's an upgrade of the 5200. You have all the feedback um, that you need from the 5200 to develop the 5600 or, or have there been people uh, companies using the 5600 before it's been launched? Yes, yeah, so we, we we have had some uh, early users. Mm-hmm. Um, we can we cannot name a lot of them oh, yeah. because there's a lot of employees. Um, and one one of them is Prototal uh, in Sweden. Um, but in general, the feedback has been very good in terms of improvement of mechanical properties, dimensionals, part quality in general. Um, but but also the ability to fine tune the print mode to the need is something that uh, the market has been asking a lot. We also had some uh, early customers for the automation, you know, the build unit automation unit, uh, some a customer in, in mobility application uh, who they didn't have a night shift, so the printer was only running one cycle a day, and now because they they have the automation, the printer is running two cycles a day, so basically doubling the the, cap- the capacity of the printer so it's a very big impact for for them so very good feedback so far mm. um at last year's for next um or certainly around around that time maybe a year ago um hp revealed that the number of parts produced with um multi-jack fusion technology was was up to 170 million what is is that figure today or, or what is that you know the last figure that you're aware of and how much of that does HP project has been used for end-use production parts? Good question. I mean, last time I looked, we were above above 200 million. We don't have I don't have the latest figures. Sure. I've tried to get it for four next. Um, but what's really important is we see more and more uh, production uh, adoption. We we're talking with more and more customers who are you know wanting to install several printers to do serial production, and it can be in several sectors like. You know, to, today more than 60% of our install base is producing for production, serial mm-hmm. production, um, and and we are it can be in robots, in drones, in eyewear, in dental uh, aligners, where our solution actually brings a, an added value in sustainability, for example, uh, but also in mobility. Uh, there's a lot of cases in mobility. Mm, and um, I guess I guess what have been the this year. Or, or in, in you know last 12 18 months what have been the i guess the most progressive and exciting applications of of more jet fusion technology um that you've seen and are obviously able to tell us about yes um because that's always a problem in 3d printing <laughs> what what can yeah. we tell or not uh, i would say one one application which i think is maybe more impacting uh, has impacted me the most is uh the development in orthotics and prosthetic, and in particular uh, the helmets for for babies, you know, for plagiocephaly. We have companies like uh, Cranial or Invent Medical who are um, uh, using our technology to print these um, helmets for babies, and so it's really great to see the impact uh, our technology has. Um, that that's really one application which uh, stroke, stroke me. But uh, we also have some uh, in helmets. We actually have another application which is really interesting, Batwa for for wrestling helmets. But in, in and in general, um, mobility is starting to pick up, and we are getting more and more production application in mobility and in particular automotive. Yeah, um, obviously there was um, the announcement a few weeks ago that um, Salise, a manufacturing partner of HP and uh, supplier to 
Toyota, I think, has has used HP technology to additively manufacture an optional oil cooler duct for the, the Lexus LC500 vehicle. What does an application like that tell us about the maturity of, of additive manufacturing technology in an industry like automotive that I think has been a user of AM for, you know, for decades now, of 3D printing at least, for, for rapid prototyping. But obviously the challenge with going into that market is the, is the volumes required. So what does an application like that uh, that oil cooler duck tell us about, I guess, the progress that additive manufacturing is making in the automotive space? Yeah. And I think, as you said, uh, additive manufacturing and MGF technology in particular has been used by automotive for many years, initially mostly for prototype, and then with our technology enabled also like the driving prototypes, so no longer the you know like functional prototypes which are driving cars. Um, and step by step, we also had some bridge production uh, done with MGF technology. I think last year there was a, a case which we can mention about uh, MGF being used for a, a bridge production for General Motors, where the mold a mold of a for plastic parts were not, not ready in time, so I think uh, more than 50,000 parts were produced as a bridge production. And now we are seeing this year uh, more serial production. In terms of bridge production, is that an opportunity you see same, developing same as well? Yes, of course, uh, especially the bridge production um, will develop because as we do no, no longer prototype a driving prototype, when you start to develop the driving prototype, you also then um, make you also make sure that it's approved for a final production. So you because it's very close, then, and then this enables the bridge production. That's something I think we developed a lot. But but also production uh, because once you understand, once you start designing for additive manufacturing, it's no longer a question of cost per part. It's a question of how do you um, put several parts in one and avoid some assembly time, uh, mm. and then you get the real uh, advantage of additive manufacturing. Overall, taking into account all of the, the previous multi-jet fusion models over the last, I guess, seven or eight years ago since since the technology was, was launched, what is your assessment of the impact um, MJF has made, I guess, across you know, as you mentioned um, a moment ago, Francois, uh, you know, quite a wide range of of industries. What, how would you assess the impact that the technology has made so far? Well, I think, as I said before, we we learned uh, with the forty two hundred and the fifty two hundred, we improved the printer step by step, and we now are developing it in a production um, environment. So, what I think the impact that we have had is making additive manufacturing uh, credible as a real tool for manufacturing serial production. And is, are there any um, emerging markets and emerging industries um, for, for 3D printing and, and perhaps MGF specifically that you that you see on the horizon that are perhaps not quite as renowned as you know automotive or aerospace or healthcare um, but equally are, are, are quite a big opportunity moving forward for, for HP and the technology generally? Uh, I will not uh, reveal you our, our secrets of where we are betting the <laughs> technology can go, but and just uh, coming back, ONP is for me uh, a technology where our, uh, um, it's a field where our technology is really having an impact. 
and still today less than 10% of the orthotics and prosthetics um, application have switched to 3D printing. So we have a lot of potential there to grow. Um, but I, I do believe mobility will continue to adopt and as it adopts, it will uh, accelerate. Um, but there are many other industries, like an example is eyewear, which would really profit for having local production, on-demand production, and avoid this overproduction, um, which are done today. In terms of uh, local production and, you know, concepts like that, local production, digital warehouses, those kind of things that, you know, can can help supply chains, as, you know, the industry, additive manufacturing industry has, has, you know, talked for a while about how those can be opportunities for the industry. What's your um, assessment, I guess, of how those concepts are developing um, at the moment? How how far away are they from being kind of a, a widespread reality, um, specifically, I guess, local production and, and digital warehouses? I think changing uh, supply chains for established industries is something which takes time. But I can tell you many companies are looking at this in a much more serious way than they were before. Um, we revealed um, some weeks ago uh, that uh, HP is partnering with Brooks and where we are developed some you know, um, footwear, um, the, the, the sole for the Brooks shoes. And that's clearly the view and the vision of the future is to have localized manufacturing behind this. And uh, one thing I wanted to ask um, was, was a question about materials and, and materials development. <clears throat> Obviously, HP has had um, a kind of partnership and collaboration program in terms of its materials development with, with companies like BASF. Um, what can you tell us about the progress being made there in terms of making more materials available for multi-jet fusion users? Um. I think we will see that as, as this year we're introducing the, the, the 56 and the automation, next year will be the year where we'll introduce uh, more materials. We plan to introduce a uh, few materials, like minimum two to three materials. Um, it's, a, it's a long journey to introduce materials because we want to make sure that uh, there is a very high consistency and you know, production-ready uh, material. Um, but uh, also with what we're working on in sustainability, and we will announce at Formnex that uh, the PA12, which we are uh, today um, having on our printer, which is made by Evonik, uh, will, starting from next year, be made from renewable energies, so lowering the carbon footprint of the material uh, by up to 45 or 50%. So it's a very big step forward in terms of sustainability. And that's mm. going to be our, uh, our focus from now. Perfect. Is, are you able to give us any detail on what exactly those materials you'll be able, you'll be launching next year or do we have to be patient? I think you need to be patient. <laughs> OK, OK. Um, my final question then, and, and thank you both um, for, your, for your time today is, what are the challenges um, that HP is looking to address next? Obviously, we've talked about um, automation today, and we've you know we've just talked about materials. What are the, the big challenges for a, for a company like HP and a technology like MultiJet Fusion um, that will you know again kind of move the the technology on and allow your users to to kind of get even more out of the process? But I think there are two 
big challenges on which we can have a, an impact and we are working on. The, the first one is enabling more applications. Uh, so it's about educating, it's about supporting our customers to develop application for, for MGF uh, with some professional services, with the design services. Um, that's that's a very big focus for us and we'll be very focused in some uh, segments and, and applications like the, the one that I mentioned, uh, orthotics, mobility and, and some more to really accelerate the transition to, to uh, 3D printing. That, that's one point on which we're working. And uh, the other part is to continue to work on the, the consistency, the the, the part quality, but also the, the total cost of ownership. So the, the cost per part at the end of the day, the, the more we can we work on the cost per part, the more applications will be enabled. Also. So these are the two axes we're working on.